Hello and welcome to Gentle Touch. This podcast is a place where people can learn, discover and upscale mentally, spiritually and emotionally. This show is all about breakthroughs so get ready for some good vibes, realness and lots of information. You will be joined by me, your podcast host Alejandra Castro. Some of the shows will be just me and other shows will have guests open up new perspectives and views. My passion is to inspire and educate people who feel stuck. I will show you ways you can improve your overall health by sharing powerful tools that you can implement into your daily life. Let's get started. In today's episode, we have the beautiful Rachel. Rachel is joining us from Northern California. She is a certified financial planner based in Northern California, serving women all over the U.S. She helps women navigate the loss of a partner and stay on track to achieve their goals and their dreams. And she's also worked with major corporate firms such as Morgan Stanley and is it Merrill Lynch? Merrill Lynch. Merrill Lynch. And what's the other one? Merrill Price. Yes, I love it. Rachel, tell me about you. Tell me about your journey. So I've been in the industry for about 15 years in the in the investment industry. And in the beginning, I thought that that job basically entailed managing people's investments. And that was kind of it. It was not, not an incredibly personalized service okay. that we gave. It was just kind of like managing their money. And I was okay with that because I didn't really know what else... I was so new that I didn't really know what else was out there. And so I was like, oh, okay, well, this is what this job is and that's fine. And so I kind of, I moved around a little bit where I, I, so I had kind of a non-linear path where I started in the advisor, financial advisor training program. And then I ended up training financial advisors for our technology group. So I taught, taught advisors how to use certain software to run financial plans for clients and things like that. And then, and then after I got my, MBA, I, I got a master's, I, I ended up getting an offer from a big team and went back to being an advisor. And um, that was quite a few years ago. I was still, again, in, in, with the big firms, the big the big investment companies, and intended to, to stay there forever, really, until some things changed. My priorities changed with my personal life, which I, I can get into. And then also when COVID happened, it just kind of made me reassess how I did my job. And I felt like if I wanted to serve the people that I yeah. wanted to serve, which is with other women, especially women in transition, if I wanted to serve them in the way that I felt they needed to be served, I, I needed to leave my firm and do that, you know, working for myself. Because when you work for a big company, they don't really let you get too creative with how you do your job. which is fine. I mean, you're an employee of their firm. You kind of need to do it their way. But I was like, you know, I I know what I want to do. I know how I want to help my clients and I'm going to have to do it on my own if that's how I'm going to do it. Because I had very different ideas than the big companies did. (laughs) Of course, of course. But then you also work for very big firms. How easy... And what periods were you working for them? Did it, was it like a transition and then I moved over and then I came back? So I worked for three main firms during this time. The first maybe seven years I was with Morgan Stanley. And during that time I was in the, I I was an advisor and then I was in the training program, training the advisors. And then, and then when I went to Merrill Lynch, I was an advisor on a big team and was there for maybe two or three years and then spent 
a couple of years with the same team. So my me and my partners all left Merrill Lynch and all moved together to Ameriprise. So it was kind of it was the same team, but just different firm that we worked for. And when I was there for, I don't even know, a couple, a couple of years until I, and that was when I decided to start my own company. So I've nice. been around, been around, nice. you know, a few different firms, of course. knew a lot of people in, you know, the local financial industry. I love it. How important is budgeting and planning for the future? It's really important. A lot of people, budgeting is a really basic thing and it's not like, it's not like it's this mysterious thing. We all know, we know how it works. We know that we need to spend less than we make. And how we do that, it's kind of up to us. You know, we we decide what we want to spend our money on. But ideally, it needs to, yeah. what we spend is, is needs to be less than what we make. But even though it sounds so simple, it's not. It's not simple at all. It's it's a lot of, you know, that we, we all have a lot of emotion tied to money. We have a lot of guilt tied to stuff that we did in the past, you know, financial decisions we made in the past. And so we all have these, like, really complicated feelings with money and it causes us to not make the best decisions sometimes and to not want to face the the our the, the reality of our yeah. of our financial situation and so a lot of people get themselves into a bad financial situation because they don't want to look at they don't want to look at what they're making they don't want to look at what they're spending even though it's simple but it's difficult at the same time and so, like, the tips I have for budgeting are not going to be anything new. It's just, like, I encourage people to just become aware of what they're spending. And not just so that you can cut expenses. You know, I, I'm not saying, oh, well, don't drink Starbucks, don't go shopping. It's like, just be aware of what you're spending. Because you might be really surprised at the areas that you're spending the most. And you might be spending a lot of money on areas that you don't care about. Yeah. And there might be things that you really do care about that that's okay to spend money on that, but like your 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 spending decisions aren't aligned with your values in life. And that's that's like bigger than budgeting. That's like aligning your finances with your values, which is more important than like making a spreadsheet of your expenses. Wow. And it's so so important. When it comes to divorce, how 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 big is this? How important is this for planning for the future? So a lot of times, so what, what if you're in a relationship, whether you're married or living together or whatever, if you are, if you've combined finances with someone, what happens a lot of times is one person is in charge of the finances and the other person is in charge of something else. That is a super, super common dynamic that you see in relationships. And that's not bad. It's not bad if you let your your partner do the financial stuff. That's not a bad thing. And it doesn't mean that you're bad at finances. It just means that in your house, the division of labor is such that they do the financial stuff, you do something else. Yeah. But where it becomes a problem is you delegate that whole, anything financial you delegate to them and you've delegated it to them for so long that you yeah. forget. you forget how to do it. You forget what your own financial situation is. You've like, you're totally clueless about what's going on in your finances because your your partner's handling it, which is nice of them, but you kind of, you need to like still have enough of an awareness to know where you stand. And what I see is when people get a divorce specifically, they've been delegating that financial 
task to someone and now they're like, oh my gosh, I have to do that myself. I don't even know what we have. I don't know what my life is going to look like going forward because I don't know how much money I have. Yeah. And there's a lot of stress with that unknown, not knowing what your financial situation is going to look like. So budgeting and just like increasing your awareness of your finances is important when you're in a relationship. Yeah. But it's really important when you're getting out of a relationship as well. Wow, a hundred percent. And especially for example, when it comes to the house, so so we forget to budget. We don't know where we stand with round numbers. And then say for example, then we have a mortgage on the house, and it's like knowing what do we do? Am I still able to maintain this now that we are we are separating ways? How like how does that work? So. If, if you own a house together, a lot of times that's like the most difficult decision okay. is trying to figure out who's getting the house or should we sell it and split the money or whatever. Because we live in our homes. Yeah. We, a lot of times we raise families in yeah. our homes. We decorate it like we want it to be. Like there's a lot of t emotional attachment to the home. So whenever you're making a financial decision that has emotional attachments, it just gets yes. more complicated. And so what I see is someone, and a lot of times it's, it's, you know, uh, the woman, a lot of times they'll be like, I don't want to leave my home. I don't want to uproot my children. You know, I want to keep the home at whatever cost. And so they have to make concessions. If they're, if they're going to get the house, they need to give up something of equal value Wow. In order to make it equal. So what happens a lot of times is they might say, okay, I'll take the house. You take the retirement accounts. And a lot of time their ex is like, sure. And so they have, so the, their ex has this asset that's growing and growing and they're continuing to save money. But the person that kept the house has this really expensive, I mean, not all houses are really expensive, but like a lot of times the person keeping the house doesn't understand all of the expenses that yeah. come along with owning a home. Cause it's not just your mortgage payment. You might be able to afford your mortgage, but you have property taxes and insurance and, you know, remodeling or repairs. Wow. Yeah. It can be really expensive and they don't realize that. And then just recently, because interest rates have gone up really a, a lot. And so what, what people are realizing is, okay, I'm going to keep the house. I'm going to, I need to get it into my name. I need to get my loan into my name. But now when they go to refinance, interest rates are twice what they were oh, no. with their original loan. And yeah. so it's so much more expensive to keep that house. It's just like another barrier to keeping the house. And so it's not an easy, it's not an easy decision. Like, oh, I'm just going to keep the house. There's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of really careful thought that needs to go into that, whether you can actually afford it and whether you can qualify yeah. to refinance it into your name. Wow. Wow. And especially as, as females, we, we tend to be so emotional. We, we feel like our world, world is crumbling. Like now we've raised the children. We have so many memories. This is all I know. So sometimes coming out of that and learning how to navigate things now on that, so in that, on that solo path and letting, learning to let go can be a journey on its own. Yeah, absolutely. With regards to the difference in in planning for widows and divorcees, what would be the difference? So there's not a ton of differences. Okay. Not but not like you would expect. The the financial 
issues that women face, whether their spouse passed away or whether they're getting a divorce, a lot of those issues are the same. It's okay. a lot of times it's just, how do I manage it on my own going forward? And where do I even stand? Cause a lot of, with widows too, a lot of times if someone's spouse dies unexpectedly and maybe their spouse was the one that managed yeah. the money, a lot of times the widow is like, I don't even know what we have. I don't know yeah. if we have life insurance. I don't know where our accounts are held. Yeah. And it's, they're going through this grief. Either way, whether it's divorce or death, they're going, they're experiencing grief. And grief yeah. is, it's hard on our bodies. Yeah, it's yeah, hard. Yeah. It's hard on our, just, I mean, it's hard to make decisions when you're grieving. And then all of a sudden there's all this like financial change yeah. that's dropped in their lap that they have to like figure out what to do with. And it's really overwhelming. So the di the differences are not much between a, a widow and a divorcee in terms of like the financial challenges that they face when they're facing their finances on their own. Okay. Um, with regards to grieving and finances, how can someone prepare? Because then you've got the emotional side and it's like saying, okay, I have this attachment. I need maybe where be counseling and then on top of that I now have to prepare because I still don't know what's happening what is mine what my future looks like especially if I'm not the breadwinner especially if I have young children what would you give to the person that's at home currently going through a divorce or having others breakdowns so what I would say is give yourself some grace because you are juggling a lot of feelings and decisions there's just a lot going on and so i wouldn't feel like you need to get everything figured out right now you need to make all these major decisions right now like a lot of things can be postponed until later you can kind of figure out okay these are the things that i need to actually worry about right now the rest i'm just going to need to get to later and i think allowing yourself to like put stuff off is yeah. is one thing to, to kind of help relieve the stress of that situation and then I think um, getting the right help that you need, and it, everyone needs different kinds of help, yeah. but what I see, I see a lot of women who either either they're divorced or they're widowed, and they are having financial challenges, but what they really are are, are emotional challenges due to their grief, and really they need like some therapy yeah it's not a financial issue it's it's manifesting in their finances but really they have like some emotional stuff to work through and so in that case you know if they're coming to me i can't like i'm not a therapist i can i i understand how emotional money is but i'm not there to address the yeah. emotional challenges and so i think like knowing where to go for the right help so don't go to your financial advisor for therapy. Don't go to your divorce attorney for therapy because they're a really expensive therapist and they're not specializing in therapy. They're specializing in the law. Yeah. So go to, go to professionals who are experts in the issue that you need help with. And, and it, you can get help with anything. Like what I found after working in the divorce industry for a few years now is there are people who specialize in divorce related anything. I've met, I, I've met women who specialize in reorganizing homes after a divorce, wow. Wow. which I'm, is like so, so thoughtful. And so like, it, I, I just thought that was so cool, but it's so needed, but it's not something that we would think about. No, but there's people that do just that. 
And then there's divorce coaches who they're not attorneys, they're not financial people, but they coach people through the process in terms of what to expect. And by going to a divorce coach, they're not asking those same questions to their attorney who's going to charge them, you know, several hundred dollars an hour. It's like, go to just be willing to accept help and seek out help that is super specific in what you need help in because it, it's out there. There's so much help out there. That is so, so true with everything. And sometimes, sometimes we waste where it be our energy, our time, or we have expectations that are not met because we're going to the wrong people for certain things. So what you say, the truth is out there. It's just up to us and being open to actually saying, I do need help and I'm actually going to seek this. So you're a mommy to twins. I am. How, how old are they now? They are four. Wow, big boys. Yeah, they are. Um, so your husband, he was diagnosed, um, I'm sorry to hear that, with terminal ill brain cancer. But also a few days, was it during that same period you found out you was expecting twins? Yeah, so this was, um, this was about five years ago. Okay. I found out I was pregnant and the next day my husband had a seizure. Okay. And, and he went to the doctor and they, they realized he had a brain tumor. And so we didn't know the nature of the, because some tumors are benign, some are cancerous. Like we didn't really know what we were dealing with yet. But um, when they did the surgery and took it out and did the, the testing on it, they found that it was a very, very aggressive brain cancer. So that was, his diagnosis was right smack in the middle of when I was pregnant. Okay. And then I also found out they were twins. I didn't, re I didn't realize at first that I was having twins. I thought I was just having one baby. <laughs> and so by the time they were born, my husband had had brain surgery. Okay. He had had radiation and chemo, and he was still on chemo when the kids were born. Did you stop working? Did no. You, you, well, you continued to work? I continued to work until I physically couldn't get to the office. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, how... You must have been huge because we're twins. Imagine when you see up, up until eight months. I'm sorry about that. So, so, so you stopped working until you physically couldn't go to the office. So, seven, eight months. Yeah, let me see here. It was, it was two weeks. So, it was thirty-six. I was nine months pregnant when I when I stopped. Working. <laughs> what? So, so, so you worked all throughout. Yeah. How did you manage to balance everything, like everything with the home, being a wife, being now a mommy to be? How was that? Well, at first, when I was just pregnant, that wasn't that difficult because I didn't have the kids yet. Okay. It was just, you know, they, they can't cause too much trouble in yeah. my belly. But um, And so I could still work and I still felt really good. I, I felt really good until the last couple of weeks. And then okay. I was just like, oh my gosh, I just want to have these kids already. But um, so... While I was pregnant, wasn't that big of a deal. My husband had taken some time off work during okay. his surgery and all that stuff, but I was still working. And then I took off September, October, November, December. I took off almost six months okay. because I had complications. I wasn't intending to be off that long. I was I was intending to take like three months off, but I got really really sick and my kidneys failed. Oh, I'm so yeah, and everything's totally fine now. But I had to be in the hospital, and I had I had it took it took a while before I could go back to work. Um, but then once I did that, because I had been sick, because my husband was sick, we yeah. had a full, we had a full time nanny, okay. which was a lifesaver. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like 
that yeah. we wouldn't have been able to do it without that. Um, so that was like a huge blessing and an advantage to have yeah. someone that was there to help us all the time. Um, and she was with us for maybe the first year that they okay. were born. Um, maybe a little longer than actually, maybe a little longer. Um, and then we've had like nannies off and on, but not, not full time yeah. any like that. So it's been, a, it's a lot to manage. Like it's a lot to manage the kids. I'm still working. And then during that time, um, when they were about one is when I launched my own business. So that got even more hectic. So yeah. Yeah. So you was even more busy. Yeah. But I was, it was more flexible. So okay. before when I worked for the big company, like I had to go into the office during certain yes. hours and, and you know, I, I could like leave to do things that I needed to do, but it was still, I was expected to be there. Yeah. But when I started my own company, like for example, with COVID, COVID was so disruptive to everyone's schedules, but if, if like they couldn't go to preschool, you know, I could rearrange my schedule and then yeah. I could just, I could just work that weekend or I could yeah, work yeah. at night. So it's very flexible, which was really helpful. Wow. Um, to, so for any female that's going through the same thing, um, what advice would you, I'm actually at my friend's house. She's let me the office and her roommate her ex-husband so they're going through a divorce but he has a brain tumor as well so she's staying with him and looking after him um but he's he's sounding very aggressive that is something that happens yeah and i would if your friend wants to talk to me offline i i've done a like there is a lot of things that they don't tell you when someone's diagnosed with a brain tumor you know they're the doctors are concerned with yeah. sa saving their life, which is yeah, yeah. understandable, but they don't really talk about the personality changes that can yeah. happen yeah, yeah. as a result of the tumor or the surgery or the rape because the radiation kills good brain tissue because they have to kill the bad, but they, some good yeah. stuff gets killed too. And people can have massive personality changes and it can be really bad. And that's not something that doctors mention. Yeah. And, um, that's a, it's like you already have a really difficult situation dealing with someone who's sick, but then you have these like behavioral problems too. So it's, it's so complicated and so terrifying. So yeah. I really feel for her. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pass your, your socials just in case she wants to, um, if she wants to reach out, but he literally just, um, my friend just told me how she hasn't been here for the past seven days. She gets close she takes it but he he literally wrecked the whole apartment he and it's a beautiful apartment he just completely wrecked it so i just asked her is she okay like will she be okay but in case in in these episodes so there's it's a lot to manage being just in a situation that we are in knowing where you are now and how you managed everything what advice would you give to yourself i think i would tell myself that you can get through things that you would never expect you can get through. Yes. Humans in general are able to adapt to yes. all sorts of things, good or bad. And we don't, we don't have choices all the time. Sometimes yes. things happen and we have no choice. We can choose how we react to it. And that is kind of empowering feeling like, yeah, I can't control a brain tumor, but yes. I can control how that's going to how I'm going to change my thinking and my decisions as a result of that. And like, you can, you can save yourself 
from falling into this like pit of despair if you just realize, hey, I'm in control of the situation even though there's stuff I can't change. Like, I don't know. I felt that I feel like that's kind of empowering. And just knowing that like you can get through all sorts of crazy things. Because yeah. people have bad things that happen to them all the time. All of us know so many people who have really difficult things that happen in our lives. And it's you're not alone. Even if your problem seems really specific. Because I felt like my problem seemed really specific. But look at your your friend. Like yeah. similar similar situation. But there's always people who are experiencing difficulties that you are and there's the people people will really surprise you in like the their ability to kind of persevere and get yeah. through it and and learn something valuable in the meantime so like there's hope there you have more power than you think yeah i love it how important was this learning because obviously you're now going to be a mom your husband had terminal ill brain brain cancer how important was this for your life purpose and your mission and for you to start your business oh how important were, were my personal issues like like no like how important um was this because then after this you started your business right yeah it, insp it inspired me to start my business it was it was a huge part of it so part of it was like lo logistically i needed yeah. a, a different type of job yeah to, yeah. to, to manage to support my family because my family situation was different than I had expected. But a lot of it was going through that experience and understanding how scary that was and how much uncertainty there was. And financially, there's a lot of scary stuff. Like, what, like is he not going to be able to work again? Are we going to lose our health benefits? Yeah. Does he have enough life insurance? Like, there's all these financial things to worry about. And I'm a financial planner, and I was still concerned about a lot of that stuff and I was thinking if I didn't have that job if I didn't yeah. have that background like th there there would be a whole extra thing to worry about with the financial stuff so it made me feel like I see all these women who are really stressed and worried about their financial future and that's something I can help with yeah. I can make a direct impact on them that's like a skill that I have that can help them and I felt like I need to share that I need to share that with them because I feel like that's what I'm meant to do. Yeah, yeah. And and it just goes to show as an inspiration to everyone that sometimes we go through our, sometimes when we go through our darkest moments is when we actually find our true purpose because it wakes things up in you, like the inner strength, the perseverance, um, the problem solving, trying to manage everything as well as your roles in the family home, being a mom, being a wife, and as well now going on your new journey with your new business as well. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say to... Oh, I saw a post. I saw a post on your social media and it said four factors you can control. How much you earn, how much you spend, how much you save and how long you work. For someone that may still not understand and just be like, yeah, but I don't know because I earn X amount. How can I earn more? Or, or the living cost is very expensive or, or because some people don't know how to budget. Some people don't know how to spend or some people are just settled with what they are how can we break this down for them so there are a lot of things we can't control so for example if you work for if you have a job where you work for someone else yeah you don't tell them this is what you're going to pay me that's yeah. not how that works we don't decide what's going on in the economy 
we can't t determine what's going on in the stock market. Like, we, there's a lot of things we can't control, which is very overwhelming when you think about it. But if you think about the things that you can control, I think it gets a little less overwhelming. So, and when I say you have, like, the four things you can control, it's, you can, I should say influence, maybe not control it 100%, but you can but certainly, way, yeah, yeah, it, you can it, certainly it influence some, it. Yes. So, for example, your income might sound like, well, I don't, I can't control how much I make. It's just, that's what they pay me. But you can choose to find a new job. Yeah. And I don't know if it's the same right now, but during COVID, you could leave your job and do something similar, get a big pay raise. I mean, you, you could do that. You could leave your job. You could do some extra training to try to get a promotion. Yeah. You could go back to school, which obviously costs money. None of these things are like, yeah. oh, just do this. It's like, but there's there's things that you can do to yeah. improve your earning capacity. And maybe it's like, maybe you need to go into a different field. If you're doing something, you don't really like it. You're not really successful at it. Maybe it's time to make a change and maybe that will, you won't be making money at first, but then it'll, yeah. you'll have more potential for growth. So you have more influence on your income than you think. How much money you spend, obviously the cost of things are going up. We yeah. can't control that, but I swear how much money you spend has more to do with your own habits than yeah. like this, what's going on. I don't know. I, it's easy for me to say, I know, but like when I see people who, I see people who make a lot of money, yeah. who spend a lot of money and they're in a bad financial situation where they're spending more than they make. They don't have assets that they're growing. They're not going to have savings for retirement, but it's not because they don't have the income. It's just because they're choosing to spend money. They're choosing to spend all their money or they're yeah. choosing to spend even more than that and getting them, themselves yeah. into debt. I also see people who have very bare bones salaries. So I, I work, so I live in Sacramento, which is the state capital. And um, I see there's a lot of state workers and people always yeah. think of state workers is like, oh, like that's not a really high level job. Like they don't pay well. What is a state worker? Someone that works for the government? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And so what I see is I see a lot of people who are retiring from that job which people think, oh, you know, whatever, it's just a whatever job. But they'll have a million dollars saved up, no problem. Well, and it's, and it's not because, it's not because they were making $500,000 a year. Like they just, over their lifetime, they just spent less than they made and it compounded on itself over time and it grew into a lot of money. And yeah. like, yeah, there's certain things that we, we can't control when the price of eggs goes up by 20%. Yeah, but the, yeah. But think of all the things that we do control. So like, for example, where you choose to live is a giant decision. And it doesn't matter if you're renting or buying, you, you're choosing where you're going to live. And that is generally a huge part of your expenses. And one decision you make, should I rent this place or should I rent this place? Yeah. That, there could be a difference of $300 a month right yeah. there. Or, you know, who knows? But you make those decisions. So some decisions are big decisions that you don't make as often. Some are little decisions yeah. that you make every day, you know, at the grocery store or whatever. But like you can, you can spend less if you really put your mind to it. Unless you're making like barely, barely, barely yeah. enough money to, I mean, unless you're literally living in, in poverty, then yeah, that's not, that's not true. But for most people that I run into, they, 
they, they can change their spending habits. And and it's and it's so true that you highlight this only because it just goes to show that regardless of where you are, if you do have a job, if you do want to do something, you can actually change things. I can. Can you repeat that question? Yeah. So I was just saying. So it's very inspiring that people from example from the example that you gave actually can have a million dollars saved up over a yeah. lifetime. Oh or, yeah. Or even people that do have the money that can change their whereabouts they may not know how to budget and then it just goes to show you could have a and b different scenarios different lifestyles and the end may not be the same of how you would expect it to be absolutely and the people that you see the people that you know in your life that spend a lot of money yeah that does not mean they have a lot of money yeah they could be they could be putting everything on credit cards they could be spending everything they have. They could not be saving for retirement. You cannot judge someone's financial situation by what you see them spending money on. And that is so powerful because with social media, with photos, with videos, we are so quick to think, oh my gosh, wow, they are self-made. Wow, they're a millionaire. Wow, they can afford all of these things. Yeah. And sometimes it may not be it. I saw your post on, is it disability insurance? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. So disability insurance is not an exciting topic generally that people think about, but it is something that is so important to your overall financial health because most of us, we need to work in order to survive. We need to work and earn an income in order to pay our bills. That's the majority of people. And if we were unable to work for whatever reason, it would be a real problem. And, um, if we think about reasons why we might not be able to work, mm-hmm. the most likely scenario is that we get injured yeah. or we get sick to where yeah. it's like an ongoing thing and we can't work. And the likelihood of one of those things happening to you is so high and people don't realize that because they think, oh, I'm young and I'm healthy. Like I'm not going to be in a wheelchair or yeah. maybe I could do my job even if I was in a wheelchair. People just... When people yeah, think yeah, about yeah. disability, they think about, oh, I can't walk. But it's like, no, you can you can be on disability insurance, or you, I'm sorry, you can go out on disability if you have cancer, if you have back pain, if you have mental health issues. Like, there's all sorts of ways that you can become disabled that you're not thinking of, and the likelihood of that happening is actually pretty high. So, for example, me, I've been on disability because I had the complications from when my kids were born. Yeah. And then I had to have back surgery and I couldn't, I couldn't sit at a desk. I couldn't stand. Like I could have, I could have not been able to work forever if yeah. that surgery didn't work. Yeah, yeah. So, and I'm, you know, I'm relatively young and mm-hmm. like, I just think that people don't think about that. And there's a way that you can insure yourself against the risk of losing your ability to work. And a lot of times Maybe your employer can provide that insurance coverage for you, but if not, you can still go out and get that insurance coverage. And it's not cheap, but think about the potential losses that could happen if you got sick or injured. So it's really, really important. It's just not something that's talked about a lot. No, it is not. It is not. It's funny that you mentioned this only because I work in healthcare. That's my background. And there was a man that was paying for, I think it's disability insurance. And he was like a gas, was it life insurance or disability? I can't remember. He was like a gas engineer. So he went to fix a gas, uh, like a, like the heater and something happened with the instrument. 
but he ended up losing his finger. And a week before he stopped paying for the insurance because he was like, nothing's going to happen to me. And I've paid for so many years and he would have been given like 150,000 pounds. Yeah. Had he con had it covered him another week and the injury, he he wouldn't even had had to work. And yeah. um, he said to my colleague, "Had I had it, one hundred and fifty thousand pounds, and I had it covered, I wouldn't even need to work." But now you see me going to work because now it's like I'm not covered. Yeah. Well, and imagine if he, you know, imagine someone losing their finger, but maybe yeah. there's maybe they're a surgeon. Yeah. And they yeah, exactly. need they need this finger. Yeah. Like, exactly the risk of something happening yeah. to even even a relatively minor yeah. injury could be really devastating. A hundred percent. Where does disability, life insurance, and pension stand? Do you think everyone should have three of them or one outweighs the other? So pensions are something that are not as common as they used to be. And a pension okay. is a retirement plan where like your employer promises to pay you an income yes. at a certain date when you're retired. And over the past couple of decades, it's become less common because employers have basically said, we don't want to be responsible for your retirement fund. Therefore, you need to save into your own account and we'll match some of it maybe if we're nice. So pensions are wonderful to have because it's guaranteed income. Yeah. Um, but it's not, you don't have to have it. Like okay. you can save for your own retirement. You can make your own pension basically and save in a dual retirement account, even if your employer doesn't offer a pension. So it's yeah. something that's great, but not necessary. Um, life insurance is something that's not always necessary. And that's, okay. that's something that people, like people always think that they, I feel like people think that they need life insurance when they don't always. So the only so you need life insurance if someone is dependent on you to the point where they would be financially harmed if you yeah. died. So maybe that's a spouse. Maybe okay. if maybe if I die, I want my spouse to be able to pay off the house and or retire or whatever. Yeah. Maybe maybe my spouse is dependent. Or if I have kids, that's like the most common, most straightforward reason to get life insurance. If I die, I want to make sure that my kids have enough money to get to adulthood or go to college or whatever. You don't just need, like, you don't need to get life insurance just to give someone a bunch of money if you die, just to be nice. Like, yeah. it's kind of meant for people who are financially dependent on you. Got so it. if you don't have dependents, if you don't have kids, if you don't have a spouse, like, maybe you just don't need life insurance and you don't have to waste money on it. Exactly. I, lo I love that you've clarified those three things because disability, I, I don't really hear about it. I just hear about pension and I hear about life insurance and that's it. Yeah. But now that you've touched on it, it just goes to show that it's so important and a anyone should look into it and just mm -hmm. get the information that they need. Rachel, what is your favorite book? I haven't read a book in so long. I have probably not read a book for fun since I had kids just because there's no time. But... I or am, YouTube or are you more like a visual person or audio? So I listen to podcasts okay. every single day. What's um, your favorite or top three? Oh, there, okay. So my favorite is Terrible. Thanks for asking. Okay. And it's by this girl. She's a author, and her husband died of a brain tumor, and she was young when when he died, and she's. It sounds 
depressing. It's because it's it's like a it's a podcast that's kind of about grief. But okay, she's so funny and she's so intelligent and she can spin a bad situation in a way to where you learn from it and yes. you're moved by it and she tells really entertaining stories and she has guests who have had all sorts of difficult life experiences but the theme seems to be like bad things happen to all of us but yeah. we still can we still can find the good in our lives and like it's it's surprisingly uplifting this podcast yeah. So I love it. It's my favorite. It's not, it's not business related. Most of the podcasts I listen to are business related, but that's the one that like is just fun. Yeah. And um, which one would you recommend if it was business related? So I like a lot of digital marketing podcasts. Like I don't, there's, there's podcasts that are for financial advisors, but I don't find them to be very interesting. (laughs) Maybe you need to find one. Maybe it has to be you, Rachel. I've thought about that. I've had people ask me that and I, I just feel like I have so little time as it is that like in a podcast as you, I mean, as I'm sure you can attest to that's a, that's a lot of work. It's hard work. You have to to edit, you have to update the socials, you have to get the guests on, you have to chase up emails. If they're in another country, you need to make sure you understand the different time zones. If you get the time zones wrong, you've just lost the interview. So yeah, it is a bit of hard work. Yeah. So, but it's, but I'm so grateful that people are willing to put in the work yeah. because I, because I love them. I, that's, that's my favorite way to take in information yeah. is yeah. through a podcast. It's just the perfect format for me because I can listen to it when I'm in the car yeah. or if I'm at the house, like making dinner or like, there's always time for a podcast. I love it. What is your favorite movie? I have so many favorite movies, but, um, Labyrinth. Like, okay. so I was a kid in the eighties and I feel like every kid who grew up in the eighties loves Labyrinth. It's like, has David Bowie in it. It's, that's probably my all time favorite movie. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I'm a nineties baby. Um, wait, I dated someone in the, in the, that was born in the eighties and his favorite movie was, I can't remember, but there's three or four movies and it has a car and they uh, go back in time. Oh, Back to the Future? Yeah, that. Yeah. Is that an 80s movie? Is that yeah. era? Yeah, it is. Okay. I know about that one. I don't know about that one. <laughs> That's funny. If, if, if you had a billboard on the side of the Harold, what would it say? It would say, call me for help getting through your financial trauma. Like, I would, I would, my goal in life is to help as many people as I yeah. can. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. like, the more people I can bring to me, I'm like, great. It's, it's not like I'm trying to make a gazillion dollars it's like this i really i really enjoy helping people and i love talking to people and yeah i would just if i had a billboard i would just get them to call me to talk about their financial stuff like especially if they're going through difficult times yeah i love it i love it rachel how big is your team it's just me so your your website is so beautiful it is oh, so professional you. and even thank the you. picture it moves there's two pictures that moves and i'm like i'm like who does this so that i did not make myself so um a, a girl named becca dawson her her firm is called no man's land she's like a digital oh my gosh i don't even, like she does so many things so she's she designs websites she does branding she does marketing like she does she does it all but she is totally responsible for making that beautiful visual representation so of my beautiful. brand 
Thank you. I'm so glad you like it because I love it so much. Um, so she, so she is part of my team. She, you know, we don't keep like, on the team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have people who help me with things, but okay. I don't, I don't have employees, I, and okay. I don't intend to have employees. But I have, I have Becca that does anything marketing, like anything yeah. um, branding related, and then um, sometimes I'll hire people to do little things, but, but. I like to be solo. I like to keep it simple so that if I want to work less for the next yes. six months, I can yes. do that. And I'm not, I'm not interfering with someone else's <laughs> livelihood. So it's just me. I love that. Occasionally. <laughs> would you ever create a course? Would, um, you, would, would you ever create a course? Yes. Yes. I am working on that. Funny okay. you should ask. Because one issue that I've been having is I get, I'm, I'm busy. I get a lot of, I have a lot of clients, I get a lot of prospects, and I'm busy in my personal life too. Yeah, yeah. So what the issue I'm running into right now is I'm meeting people where I would love to help them. They need the help, yeah. but they can't, maybe they can't afford the fee right now, yeah. or they don't have the time to spend on working together or whatever. And yeah. so I want to have more options available for people who either don't have as much money to spend, don't yes. have as much time. Maybe they just want something to read. Maybe they just want something like, I want to have more options to help more people. And so what I'm planning on doing is I want to write a book. Yes. And I, I want it to be like kind of a book that you can read if you're at the, in the beginning of stages of your divorce, yeah. even if you haven't filed for divorce, but you like yeah. want to, I want to have a book that's kind of gives people an idea of what you can expect in terms of the financial process of divorce. And then with the course, I want to help them actually make, give them the framework that they need to make these important decisions during divorce when it comes to their finances, because it's so important. And I see such giant mistakes being yeah. made in people's divorces, but it's expensive to hire a professional. Like I totally yeah. get that, but I still want the information to get to them. So I'm like, well, even if, I can't take you one-on-one. -on -one. I want you to at least have access to some information. Yeah. So I'm planning on, like, that's my goal for 2023 is to release the book and the online course. 2023? What? Well, I think I could wait, do it. Wait, wait, when, oh, oh, so for next year, yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Not this that's year. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't know, for some reason, it sounded to me like 2024, and I'm like, no, but we're in 2022. Okay, perfect. Tell us about your socials. So I'm on Instagram. I'm pretty active on Instagram, and I'm, I intend to get even more active on Instagram. So um, it's TrueWorthFP, and I, I've been po posting a lot of blogs there and other stuff, but I, I intend to do a lot more video yeah. content, especially like short videos. I saw your YouTube channel. Oh, I haven't done a ton with YouTube just because it's such, YouTube is so great, but it's like a very different strategy than, yeah. than yeah, um, yeah. Instagram. So I haven't really like put a ton of energy into that yet. Do you know what? Um, I love, I love your Pinterest. It's beautiful. Oh, Who did your Pinterest? You. I was did. You? Yeah. I was just playing around. Um, Pinterest is like amazing for marketing and yeah. getting information. But again, very, very different strategy than YouTube or Instagram. It's not like you can just take what you do on Instagram yeah, and yeah, put yeah. it on the other two. Yeah. It's like you have to do very different stuff for each channel. So if I had all the time in the world, I would do a lot more on Pinterest because I love Pinterest. I love Pinterest from a personal standpoint. Okay. I'm on Pinterest every day, like looking at recipes or whatever. But 
I saw, because also the pictures and, and the way you've done it is very pretty because you've actually got the right dimensions. You have the right dimensions and the one for the podcast is very different. So I was like, wow. I love it. Thank it's you. Very, yes. I, I appreciate when I bring a guest and they put such hard work into the things. I'm just like, thank you. Because you get information and I make sure. Okay, so we have that one. What about your website? So my website is trueworthfp.com. So F is in Frank, P is in Paul. And the website's a good place to go to because it has, it has some information about how I help people, but it also has... A, a buttons all over the place where yeah. you can book a free strategy session. So I offer a free 30 minute call where we can chat about your situation and I can give some pointers and, and we can see, you know, if I might be able to help going forward. But I encourage people to take, take me up on that because I, I love talking to people. I'm always happy to spend some time chatting and see if I can help them out. Perfect. I love it. Rachel, I just want to say a great big thank you for being on Gentle Touch. I know we it's, it's been a journey. So we tried to do it in August. We couldn't do it. Then I relocated, but we are finally here. And I just want to say just thank you for being that bright light in people's darkest moments because we never know what what someone's going through or how lost they may be or how, how they forget. Because say, for example, in a house, if someone does take care of the finances and you do the housework, you raise the children, we completely forget. So now it's that get used to we have the emotional side to deal with so i just say i can't wait for you to get on the other other platforms to do the book to do the course because then it reaches out word of mouth and to, to be honest it's not a great subject it's it's not like, it's hard you know, it's, it's a hard not, subject yeah it is a hard subject and say for example if it's not broken down to different segments and bullet points then we get overwhelmed so yeah i just want to say thank you for being you and taking the time to come for the socials for coming on the podcast because each podcast you go on it, it, it sends it out to other different people and people start learning about the subject and if they if they do then they are redirected to you so we need more females like you do you ever talk on in conferences um, I haven't. I've done some like virtual speaking things, but I haven't really done conferences. That's something I'd be interested in doing. You maybe should. When, maybe when my kids get a little older and I can travel more. <laughs> or maybe even like a TED, TED, TED talk. That would be good. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be really fun. All you have to do is go on the website and then sign up to one in your city and you submit it. Oh, I'm going to do that. Thank you. Look into it. Yeah. I will. Yeah, yeah, you'll be so good at it. Rachel, thank you for coming on Gentle Touch. Okay, thank you so much. I really appreciate you having thank me Thank you for your time. Thank you. Hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and found this podcast useful. If you did, be sure to leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Thank you for listening and joining Gentle Touch. I'll see you in the next episode. Want to get in touch? Feel free to send me a DM on Instagram. Link is in the description. Be sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you are on. Stay tuned and keep listening. Much love.